0: Welcome to Advancing All Women with Sarah Alter, President and CEO of Network of Executive Women. On this show, you'll hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics for women in the workplace. From advancing women of color, to developing and engaging male allies, to how to navigate the new workplace post-COVID-19, Sarah will cover it all as she and her guests dig into these key issues. Now, here's your host, Sarah Alter.
1: So there are four phases in the women's career journey. In your 20s, we call it the ambition phase. And that's that phase where it's a decade of learning, exploring, growing, you know, exerting your professional independence. In your 30s, it's called culture shock. <laughs> and that's where you have your your career potential and parenting family responsibilities, you know, personal lives crashing into each other and crashing into the traditional unfortunately corporate culture. In your 40s, it's called reacceleration. And that's when women refocus on their career priorities and they They do so in the context of the foundations they've built in the past two decades. That last decade, 50 plus, and yes, I am proudly in that phase, is what's called self-actualization. And that's where your empty nesters, and I am about to become an empty nester in August, that's where we discover to our surprise that guess what? This is actually our peak career decade or two. And one of our guests here has also coined it the middle-aged adolescence. So all of this great info, I, I, I'm sourcing it to Aviva Wittenberg-Cox. She's an incredible journalist. This um, She has a, a column in Forbes. So if you want to check this out, it's just incredible. But in it, she also shares that when men and women approach this you know 50 plus decade that self actualization that middle aged adolescence men are actually physically mentally tired by the 30 plus year sprint that they have like focused on their professional personas and careers and their breadwinning responsibility and right now they just want to slow down or give back or play golf right women feel free for the very first time We have been focused on others, and now it's our turn. And and biologically and physiologically, our bodies are changing, right? We go into menopause, and that's that signal from nature that, okay, you've got to shift from that childbearing role now to your own existence, and that your 50s and 60s are your best careers yet. And I can tell you, the ladies who are with me today are going to wholeheartedly agree with that. Okay, here's the hard part. Corporations, for the most part, are plagued with that ageism, that bias that still exists, that no, you're ready to be put out to pasture. And individually and personally, what happens is a mix of feelings. There's, there's liberation, there's exhilaration, there's freedom, but then there's also fear. There's disorientation, anxiety, depression. So how do we navigate this? Well, today's show, we're going to guide you through as an individual and as a leader in how to make sure that you do leverage this incredible talent, this wealth of leadership. I'm Sarah Alter. I'm the CEO and president of the Network of Executive Women, and I am the host of Advancing All Women, a radio show and a podcast. And now let me introduce the most fabulous set of female leaders. I am joined by Kim File, CMO and CSO for Aspire Brands, Inc., Carol Franzik, CEO and co founder of Outwit, and Elen Tregostelian, midlife empowerment coach, speaker, and community builder. And over this next hour, you're going to see just how fabulous they are. So, welcome, ladies. Thank, Thank you. you. All righty. Um, so, what we're going to do, I, I'd love to have everybody share their story, like your personal and professional journey. You know, we are all in that same decade together. And I want our audience to hear about what it was that you experienced. So, Elen, let's start with you.
2: Great. Thanks so much, Sarah. So after a decade in corporate America, and I got an MBA in the process, um, I chose to stay home with my twin daughters, which I realized is a privilege afforded few yeah. of us. Um, and during this time, I also worked on nonprofit boards and wrote a few parenting books. Um, but Something strange happened as my girls became teens and I was nearing 50. (laughs) I felt a calling to define myself beyond my roles as a mother, as a wife, as a community organizer. That just felt too constricting to me. I felt a real loss of identity, also a loss of connection because we had moved from the suburbs back to the city of Chicago and I just didn't have the support system in the city that I used to have in my old community. And honestly, I felt sad. I felt lost. I felt a little scared about the future as a vibrant and capable woman with a lot to offer. I wondered what was next for me. And in opening to other, um, opening up to other women, I found that many of them had that same sense of unease in the midlife years. But at the same time, I met Other women who had successfully navigated um, these midlife years, uh, the midlife malaise, as one might call it, and they'd come (laughs) out stronger, more fulfilled than ever. So my first real leap into action was born out of wanting to connect these two groups. I thought that the women who had figured out how to navigate the midlife transition could inspire and inform those of us who were still struggling in the middle. That's when I launched my blog, uh, Next Act for Women, where I interview women in midlife and older who have reinvented in some way, personally or professionally, gone back to school, launched new businesses, found new love, started nonprofits, you name it. And I'm still at it with 350 interviews and counting. Um, but after a year of doing these interviews, I, which I loved, I also felt pulled to do more than simply report on success stories and provide resources and advice. I really wanted to take a more active role in supporting women through the midlife transition, and that's what led me to my next action Um, piece and that's to become certified as a life coach through a year-long training with the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching also called IPEC and now I've built a practice coaching women and especially women in groups to navigate the midlife transition and create what I call a no regrets life full Mm -hmm. of joy and fulfillment in the second half and I do this with my six-week Discover Your Purpose group program and with my ongoing Take Action on Your Passion membership. And they're all geared to women 40 and older. And I also, as you mentioned, love to build community through my very engaged Facebook group, Empowering Women in Midlife. So in, you know, to wrap up through my midlife journey of self-discovery, I found my own path to renewal yeah. in the second half. And that's really what I love to help women do for themselves. I love your why. It has such
1: great purpose, Carol. Yeah, tell us about you yeah. and sure. And and, and 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 I have had the privilege of <laughs> knowing all three of these women through the years, and so it is such a great honor to
3: shine the spotlight on them. Oh, Carol, thank you. Tell us Thanks. about your journey. <laughs> well, you know, I think part of your journey starts off with kind of the childhood you had and your parents. Uh, my mom was a Holocaust survivor. And my dad ran a large furniture retail store outside of Cambridge. So kind of the the lessons I learned from my mom was to be well aware of what's going around around you and what the future might look like. And she also taught me, don't be afraid to be the only voice in a room. Be independent and don't, don't walk away from that. My dad just gave me a great... Uh, Grounding in business and really being able to stay close to your consumer and adapt to their changing needs. So, I was kind of geared for marketing, not knowing that really early (laughs) on. Uh, You know, from a career standpoint, originally I'd planned to have a career in healthcare. I had the fortune of going to great graduate schools in New York. I got my master's degree in public health and a master's degree in business. And while I was at the business school, I really Found my calling. I loved marketing, and I thought I'm going to bring marketing to healthcare. <laughs> well, it it's about 20 years too early. <laughs> they were that <laughs> consumer lens wasn't quite there, and so I ended up going into consumer packaged goods. And I have kind of three uh, parts to my career. About a third of it was at Clorox and at Kraft, where I learned the discipline and analytics behind. Um, consumer packaged goods. But then I had that entrepreneurial bent to me. So I went down into Silicon Valley. I did some startups after another company called IRI. So I've had kind of this very eclectic uh, background. I did my own thing for a while. I was trained as an uh, innovation facilitator. And I think being able to constantly um, develop skills Uh, is very much part of women in general. They like Mm -hmm. to learn. And so being able to constantly dust off, you know, kind of where you are is really important. What's interesting is many years later, a healthcare system came calling to ask me to be their senior vice president of marketing and corporate communications. So while it took me a long time to get there, I ended up in the place that I wanted to be. But what I'm most excited about now is something that had bothered me when I was at Clorox and at craft, which was this idea of, let's just market to women 25 to 49. And once you turn 50, oh, well, as if you never like, started buying pro- you didn't buy cleaning products anymore. You didn't buy food products anymore. And we started to look at this market and we said, well, like, how big is it? Is it just you and me complaining about this? Like 62 million women. Over the age of 50, just (laughs) $62 (laughs) And oh, by the way, they're spending $3.4 trillion a year on everything, cars, PCs, you know, the traditional things as well. Not only that, their net worth is expected to grow from $10 million to $40 million in the next 10 years. So our goal is to kind of slap the companies in the face and go, wake up. To this tremendous market and that's what we're, that's what
1: we're all about wow what an incredible story i love it okay. <laughs> all right and, and and what's interesting too and i'm sure kim you may share it like each one of these three women have worked at similar companies i don't think ever at the same time though right
4: no no, oh, no. We all kinda kinda
1: just kept missing. it was that like was okay. it was like yeah it's mm-hmm. like tag you're it you no. know it's like no so kim
4: Yes. I know you
1: have an absolutely fascinating journey. Let's hear about that. Well, yours. you know,
4: I I just want to listen to the other two. And thank you guys for including me today. It's so nice to be with you. You know, I uh, spent about 32 years as a public company exec with companies like Walgreens and Dr. Pepper 7up yeah. and Office Max and served on four company boards. Um, but the reason that I'm here today is I am definitely one of those adolescent navigators because... I've learned to be flexible. Um, I've been through nine acquisitions and mergers. I've been through a company going from public to private and two company dissolutions. And in all of that, I only lost my job twice unexpectedly. So that's pretty good. Uh, Well done. (laughs) But, um, you know, what it really uh, did is taught me that, you know, if you not worry about what's next and instead keep your eyes open to what's coming, And as both of you have already said, there's just an unlimited journey ahead and so many choices.
0: So after losing
4: one of those jobs, I decided to take a offer to work for a NASCAR team for a year. And it was one of the most eye-opening change of of direction that I ever had. And it was really reassured me that I had the capability to adapt to just about anything. Um, And then after my last gig, at Office Max, uh, when it merged with Office Depot, I said, you know, I'd really like to try something that's a brand new learning curve. So I became an entrepreneur. And today I'm the lead investor and uh, chief marketing and strategy officer for Aspire Healthy Energy Drinks. And I would never have imagined myself, you know, really starting an entrepreneurial career at my age, which I will not say today, but I'm definitely in the back half of the back tried try years that we're talking about here and I don't see an end to it, which is really, really exciting. You know, what I found in the seven years now I've been doing entrepreneurial venture is that the venture world needs us. You've got all these smart totally. young people with amazing ideas that are breaking through in new frontiers, but what they need are people who know how to build teams, problem solve scale raise money. I've raised $8 million for my venture alone and make connections. And I can tell you, it's just been a breath of fresh air to have this new learning curve where I'm meeting private equity firms that are owned by women and run by women like us who had long careers and decided to take all that energy and put it back into investing in other companies. So, you know, I can promise all of you who might consider it, it's well worth stepping off into the unknown and and experiencing this i know today we're going to share a lot of stories about you know advice and and ideas but in the end uh the takeaway needs to be that you're never out of options if you stay flexible adaptive excited energetic and motivated and you know sarah your opening was perfect for that because it really said this is where we are right now is in that eager let's try (laughs) new things mode and um, you know I'm just learning every day and having a great time at it. it helps that I drink an energy drink, but um, it's, uh, it's okay. Really and and and
1: I'm gonna put a personal plug in. If you have not tried this drink, <laughs> you must. It's it is delicious. <laughs> it is delicious, and I've heard it's also a great mixer.
4: It is. With an alcoholic beverage. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Like tonight on Friday night. Exactly. Um, (laughs) Anyway, I really appreciate you letting me share my story, but it's been great taking 32 years of traditional work and turning it into value for brand new ideas. And I invite everyone to give this a try.
1: Uh, Okay. So you all three make it seem so easy. (laughs) Like, oh, Bob to the left, Bob to
3: the
1: right. Okay. There were obstacles. Mm-hmm. There were challenges let's share you know those that maybe you experienced yourself individually or you you saw happen and and then how how did you address them personally um Kim let's start with you.
4: We'll go backwards <laughs> okay, sure, sure. well, you know, as I thought about this this part of the conversation today, I realized that I think we go through three parts of challenge and stress and any real big, you know, milestone changing situation, you know, one is just the extra work strain. You know, when we were going through an acquisition or we were trying to dissolve a company, there you're running it while you're, you're having the extra work of dealing with the problem or the challenge. But then there's the stress of questioning our own personal capability. Right. Because when change happens, the skills that we had doing what we were doing may or may not flex with that. And learning for about ourselves and staying tuned into that, are we capable? And if we are, let's use it. And if we're not, what do we learn from this is a lot of extra stress and strain in that challenging moment. And then let's just accept there's personal fear, right? We have personal dif- difficulties in terms of determining our job security, our own, you know, what next. And we have to set that aside when we're dealing with, the work that we have at hand or the family matters that you're trying to deal with. So just a quick example. Um, I was really fortunate to work for an amazing leader, uh, Brenda Barnes, who some of you may have heard of
0: when she was
4: CEO of Sarah Lee. And she undertook and invited me to join the team to do a billion-dollar transformation. We moved four companies from three states into one new headquarters, lost half the people, had to recruit um, half a team, and it was a crazy time, but we just beat our expectations three years in a row, and all of a sudden came 2007 and the crash, and the company had to completely (laughs) flip. So I was asked to cut the marketing department and our spend in half. I ended up proposing that we decentralize marketing and eliminate my own job. Now, my father thought I was nuts, and a lot of other people did, too, but it was the right thing to do for the business, and, you know, sometimes we got to bucket, you know, how we make these decisions into the things that are, we know, professionally right, even if they're personally difficult, and um, lo and behold, about a couple months after, I went through a breast cancer scare, and fortunately, it did not turn out to be, you know, a dire situation, but it gave me a new passion, also Carol for healthcare, and I ended up being the CMO of Walgreens, and that turned out to be an amazing experience. So, you know, challenge teaches us a lot about yeah. ourselves and our abilities, and it's very harrowing sometimes. But if we tell people how we feel, we get a lot of support, and if we learn from it, it takes you a long way. And
1: I and I, Kim, I know I've told you this before. I was at Discover at the point that you were at Walgreens and I used the, the, the brand campaign and strategy that mm. you put into play at Walgreens as a best practice for Oh, Thank you. Yeah. And thank that was you. fabulous. Absolutely. Fabulous. Alain. Um, obstacles, challenges.
2: Yes. Um, well, so I am constantly inspired and awed by women who and their resilience, as Kim mentioned. I mean, it is really just um, oh, pretty, pretty amazing to me to, to witness this. And I, in talking to women in midlife and coaching them, It's clearly a time of a lot of challenge. I've been through a lot of these, but women in general, when you talk about the kind of challenges we are going through, I mean, first, kids leaving the nest, you know, so the empty nest often is kind of a a shock to the system for many of us who have made parenting such a central part of who we are. Um, Aging parents often need our support, either physically, financially. There's oftentimes marital strain, and there's a thing called gray divorce, and it's there for a reason, because a lot of people do you know, split up in midlife. Work issues, we've talked about, Kim alluded to, you know, whether it's hard to advance, we're bored in our job, reentry is challenging for those of us who've been out of the workplace. There's financial issues, even though we're, we may be more financially um, secure, you know, we're worried about our retirement. There may be college tuition we're helping to, to address. There's sometimes loss of community, like I had, and when you when I moved, uh, physical changes obviously due to aging and menopause. So there's mm-hmm. a lot and. What's fascinating to me is, is, is that this has been identified as the U-curve of happiness with the lowest point of happiness being in midlife and then climbing back up into old age. And this has been shown in 72 countries. So it's not just the U.S. Um, in the U.S., the happiness peaks at 20 and then again at 70. So the good news is if you're feeling kind of low and overwhelmed in midlife, as we've talked about, you get into your 50s, 60s, it's only up from there. So you're not alone in this whole midlife malaise, but it's going to get better. And the theory behind this U-curve is that we eventually come to terms with our regrets. We let go of unrealistic dreams. We kind of own who we are. And honestly, we are so much wiser at 40, 50 beyond. We're so much better equipped to handle the challenges that come our way You know, with our decades of experience, with the skills and the knowledge we've accumulated, the strength and wisdom that guide us. So we have social connections. We have resources to call in for support and we're usually more financially stable. So it's really a, an amazing time that despite all these challenges, we're we're at peace, we're free to focus on what really matters to us. And we come back up that U curve past 40 and we're we're just you know going up and up and it's really the increased vibrancy, increased joy, increased fulfillment uh, is is ours to to grab. Wow. So we're supposed to be blissfully happy right now, (laughs) then. If you're, if you're, aren't you, Sarah? Come on. Uh, You haven't hit the empty nest
1: yet, so just wait. (laughs) I know, no. uh... Although this could be dangerous, it's my third, <laughs> and 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 a number of our friends are, you know, like we're going to be so sad. And my husband and I are like, uh, uh-uh, uh, not us. we are ready, <laughs> ready. <We're laughs> ready. You know? yeah. All right, Plus okay. You've got Eli, the puppies, you've got, as as you guys. I know. The <laughs> All right, Eli, if, if you heard this, I love you. <laughs> All right, um, so Carol. Wow. Well, here are some you know, of your 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 um, challenges that you faced. Sure. Uh, yeah. Well, you know and I how think- you tackled them.
3: Yes. Um, well, I think Kim and Alain did a, a really wonderful job of kind of looking at the broad scopes. And, and certainly I was probably maybe the third woman hired at Clorox. So certainly there was the proverbial glass ceiling, button your head up against that, which I'm sure we've all experienced as well as probably some pretty astonishing comments and feedback Although that we've you gotten. Maybe have a whole nother show about that and and try to bring in a comedian or something. You um, must be thrilled
1: though, right? Because it's their, their CEO is Linda Rendell. Yes.
3: First yes, female
1: CEO, yes, so they've come yes. a long way, but they sorry, I, I interrupted you. Please no, 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 it, it's yeah. very
3: true. But, um, and there's lots of independent research that backs up the unique challenges of women business, right? But I but I was as I was thinking about it and listening to both Kim and Allen, one of the one of the, I think the biggest challenge that anyone faces, man, women, whatever age you are, is working in an organization or for a leader that you can't respect and that doesn't <laughs> respect you and what you bring to the party. And worse, so, works to undermine true. you. True. And so, yes, you're gonna bump up against those things. But I think what's really important to figure out whether you're 25 or 50 or older, and I think older women really have a better sense because they've had more experience, worked with lots of different kinds of people, is what do I offer the world? What kind of value do I have? And what kind of environment lets me thrive? You know, challenges along my journey gave me a chance to flex new capabilities. For example, I learned when you give me a box and I always was given like no one can figure this out, so we'll give it to Carol because she's a woman. And like, if it doesn't work, oh, well, right? Yeah, Yeah. But I found that I always was able to find the repositioning of the product, reframing of the category, and was able to really deliver bottom-line results. So over time, I started looking for organizations that really valued that skill. You know, whether it was managing growth or turnarounds. And that's where my talents could be best deployed. And that's why I had the best story to tell of how I could help those companies. You know, um, when I think about it, though, I think millennials are much more in tune with finding an organization they want to be part of. I think it's just within their um, consideration set. I think when I came out of school, I was just grateful to have a job, as grateful as going to California. I didn't care that I was working 70 hours or 80 hours a week. I was just grateful. And I think this this generation that's a lot more socially conscious, much more um, interested in, you know, what are they going to do for me and how can I do for them a little bit more reciprocal rather than the kind of uh, sweatshop thing, kinds of environments I, I, you know, I put in in my early career is really, really important. Um, So American Vendation is just to be really conscious as you're going through your career and, you know, put on your calendar, like maybe once a quarter, okay, what is important to me? Uh, Am I being valued by this organization? What else can I learn? I think if nothing else, you'll grow as a person and you'll be able to kind of meet whatever challenges with kind of a a clear head.
1: Yeah, no, such sage advice. And it it sounds like you were the chief fix-it officer, a
3: little right. bit, like you were brought in <laughs>
1: to come and fix the problem, right. um, which there's huge value in that. But to your point, it can be limiting. Yeah, and it's it's yeah no. Uh, all right, so we're going to take a quick, short commercial break. I want to thank everyone for listening in so far to our advancing all women radio show. You can check us out at newonline.org for more information on new and all of our podcasts, but don't leave us because our next half hour, we're going to talk about, okay, well, what do you do as an individual or what do you do as a business leader to leverage the optimal value out of those middle-aged adolescents? We'll be back.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Network of Executive Women is a nonprofit dedicated to advancing all women and transforming our workplaces through the power of community. We are a growing community of more than 13,500 professional women and men, representing nearly 900 organizations across North America. We are a strong, collective voice for everyone in the corporate world who wants to see gender equality become a reality, and we welcome all who champion our cause. Members of NU gain access to a broad network of like-minded professionals dedicated to women's equity and leadership development. Corporate organizations also gain access to DEI solutions, which fosters a more inclusive and productive work culture. Plus, members can engage across NU's 22 regional communities and attend two annual national conferences, which bring together the strongest minds in DEI and leadership join network of executive women today visit newonline.org slash membership to learn more about becoming a member of new that's new online.org membership
4: our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives but the lives of everyone around us
1: There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear, and listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
0: You are listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Want to learn more about the show and about Network of Executive Women? Visit our website today at newonline.org. That's N-E-W online.org. Now, back to Advancing All Women.
1: Well, welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Sarah Alter and the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. I am joined by three absolutely fabulous female leaders Kim File, CMO, CSO for Aspire Brands, Inc., Carol Franzik, CEO and co founder of Outwit and a Len Tragostellian, midlife empowerment coach, speaker, and community builder. And our topic at hand, how do you navigate your middle-aged adolescence? righty. so let's dive back in. And as I shared, you know, just at the break, now we're gonna focus on, okay, how do you, as an individual who's at this career or life phase, navigate this journey successfully? But even more importantly, okay, corporate leaders and organizations, here's what you need to be doing. Elen, let's start with you because this—you are an expert in this arena. Um, help us understand what women are, are are feeling and thinking, and 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 what they then should do to guide themselves.
2: Yeah, and I'm gonna—I'd like to unpack the idea of midlife as a second adolescence for a minute because you've alluded to it, and I think it's really critical and I love the the, the way this um, gets framed. Because um, in adolescence, the critical work we need to do is around defining our identity. And in midlife, the work is really very similar. We ask the big existential questions about ourselves and the meaning of our lives. Like, who am I today? Beyond the roles I've played, whether wife, mother, provider, volunteer, caretaker, what are my strengths and passions? Where can I contribute? Where do I belong? Who are my people? Who can I trust to have my back? Who do I want to surround myself with? What kind of life do I want to create in the second half? There's really a desire to stop living day by day by default and take charge. We feel a new urgency to be intentional in the choices that we make in the life we create. And finally, we begin to think about our legacy. How do I want to be remembered? What do I want to leave behind? So it's a critical reflection that we all need to do in midlife so we can consciously create the next chapter of our lives. And this is the heart of the work I do with groups of women in my programs and my membership. And when I'm asked, like you just did, what's the top priority for women in midlife and beyond? You believe personally, it's all encompassing. I start with this, and that's to focus on yourself. You know, in our adult lives, many of us have put ourselves second to the needs of men and children and bosses. And in midlife, we have a real opportunity to focus on our own needs, our own desires, to become more independent, less people-pleasing, to let go of external definitions and pressures around even our physical appearance, to accept ourselves in all our wisdom, Mm -hmm. despite our flaws, to invest in our self-care and personal growth, and to find our voice and the freedom to express it. And women in midlife feel they finally have permission to live authentically, to be all that they are. And The key really is that if they embrace this freedom, their new confidence and creativity will allow them to take more risks. So it's no surprise when I encounter really vibrant women in midlife and beyond that so many of them have made really big changes in their lives. They've gone back to school in midlife. They've started new businesses. They started advocating for causes. They've embarked on new adventures. They're exploring their passions. They're leaving stale marriages. And indeed, the research shows that women who embrace these opportunities at midlife enjoy more fulfillment and well-being than ever before. These women will come to see midlife as a turning point for the better, an optimistic stage of life full of potential. So I'm going to give you three ideas about how to. what I mean when I say put yourself first. I mean, that sounds very (laughs) nebulous. So one way is to say no to things that drain you. Just because you've been doing it, doesn't mean you need to continue doing it. What non-essential chores or activities can you let go of? For example, for my part, I don't cook for two. We are empty nesters and I just don't cook. That's like, I kind of realized I don't like it. I'm not doing it. DoorDash. Exactly. <laughs>
1: Uber Eats. Uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't blow dry my hair. I really, I just, I, it's a waste of my time. I don't, I hate it. I don't do it. I don't finish a book that I'm not enjoying Oh, I, know. And, I do that. Right. I've just I'm done. Do that. I was like, I don't send out holiday cards anymore. So I mean, just things that just were <laughs> draining to me. I've stopped. So this little example. Uh, the second thing I'm going to tell you is to choose your tribe carefully. I mean, connection is so critical, but it's yeah. about Quality more than quantity, so it 's surrounding yourself with cheerleaders who leave you feeling good about yourself and letting go of those toxic friends and relationships, setting clear boundaries with family members about what you will and won 't tolerate it 's about building a community of supporting supportive friends and family who 've got your back, for example, for my part, I let go of a non communicative high school friendship. I've blocked toxic people from my Facebook feed. I've, you know, I'm building new friendships based on my yeah. passions for coaching, for psychology, for writing, for women's issues. So I think it's super important. And connection, as we know, is critical to, to happiness. And my third piece of advice is going to be to prioritize self-care, which we've all heard about. And it's really about, you know, sleeping, eating, moving, reducing stress, seeing professional help as you as you need it. Um, and exactly. for me, I need eight hours of night a, a sleep a night. I just do. I, I need to exercise five to six times a week. I need to get out in the fresh air. It's not. I don't do anything stren- too strenuous, but I just, I need to do it. Um, and it's really amazing what you can do with just a set of dumbbells and some YouTube videos, right? Yeah. I mean, we all found that out in, in COVID. In COVID. Um, Absolutely. Stretching daily and with food, like I'm listening to my body. I mean, I, everything in moderation. As someone with a history of eating disorders, I learned long ago not to categorize. food as good or bad, not to weigh myself. I eat chocolate every day. Um, and I also have anxiety issues. So I have learned how to manage that through exercise and self-talk and deep breathing and the support of an amazing therapist. And I'm still working on the meditating piece. I haven't quite gotten the hang of that one yet. Um, so my question I leave you know to your audience is how will you prioritize you in midlife and beyond? Uh, because like you said, it is your time. It is your turn. And it's really yeah. this is where it starts.
1: I I particularly embrace the chosen family chosen yes. tribe concept. Right. And yes. I, you know, it, it, we've just made the the dearest of friends and they've become family. And to your point, you know, it's a reciprocal mm-hmm. relationship. Yeah, wow. I love, love, love that concept. The interesting thing though, and um, Kim, I know you just went through this, but at this phase, you also run into the challenge of you become the parent to your parents. <laughs> So I know there's that, you know, there's that to tackle. Um, mm-hmm, you know what? I'm going to segue to you. Kim, right, great. What, what advice do you have to give either personally or professionally? Mm-hmm.
4: Oh, what I loved about what Alan just said is it's about making conscious choices, not just letting the next phase happen and roll into you. Um, you know, one of the most important things for longevity is having purpose. And what you just described is really choosing what purpose you have for people that I've seen who have spent, you know, 30 or 40 years in a corporate or business environment, it's really hard to lose that business card, you know, the business card that defined what you were and who you were and still feel like you're meaningful and have purpose and you're contributing and so you know when we started our careers a career ladder was really well defined assistant associate director vice president c-suite bop it up and up and up and that's also how companies have framed success right and so you know outsiders see success as your title and your business card companies see success as your title and your business card and your advancement along a traditional path but it took me a number of years to stop caring what other people think success is all about. <laughs> and it really was hard when I left my you know, C-suite job and a big merger at Office Max. And people are like, Well, what are you doing? Are you retired? I'm like, I am not retired. Don't dare say I'm retired. I'm an entrepreneur, but I don't really know what that means. And I'm learning, and oh my God, you know. So you know, the thing is, we do have to let go and make a conscious choice about what matters. So the advice I would say is, first of all, when you're going through this sort of next purpose definition is take time to actually do it. You know, carve out yeah. quiet time, yeah. sit down and say, what motivates and excites you? And you just said it to what doesn't. And where are you going to put your time? And don't care if someone thinks you're crazy for working for an Ascar team. If that's what you wanna do, you do it, right? Exactly. Um, The second thing, and I see a problem here, especially for people in their 40s as they're coming into this a little bit, is they lose confidence. It's like, well, if I don't have a defined thing to say that I do, I must not be worthy. And you really have to bolster your own confidence and feel that if you're smart and articulate and fundamentally capable, you're going to find something that you're going to thrive at that makes you feel you feel good about it, not what other people think. Um, From my point of view, choosing a new learning curve is more important than choosing a economic or promotion advancement. Um, At one point I took a role redefining the data center at uh, IRI with the chief technology officer, and it turned out to be learning that became invaluable in my career. And in my current role, advising early stage technology companies. Find things you want to learn about. And then finally, my advice is never think about retiring. Retiring sounds like like an end. You're going to keep finding tendrils of everything you do can take you to another place. And so my next career, when Aspire, I hope, has a great exit at some point in the next few years, I'm going to take those proceeds and become a venture capitalist and invest in women-owned businesses. And I've already met a ton of venture women who are already doing this and I'm going to join them. So your next adventure unfolds in front of you. Um, I want to share one other example, which is an exec friend. I'm going to see tonight. I haven't seen in four years. She was a PepsiCo executive and then stepped off to raise three kids and has now become a child advocate. Now can you imagine a PepsiCo executive in the, in the courts Fighting for those youngsters, I mean, you couldn't get a better, more equipped person to do something she's passionate about. So don't underestimate the options. There are many. Yeah. So go for it. Go for no, it. No, fabulous. And what companies need to do is companies need to listen to these things because they don't adapt easily. But I will also throw out there, many companies have venture arms now. If some of what I'm talking about sounds interesting to you. Go work in the venture section of your company and bring all that yeah. great thinking yeah. to all these new companies within your company.
1: Or there are great organizations like I Relaunch,
4: mm-hmm. I
1: Relaunch, that um, they partner with corporations and find women who are shifting, you know, in the right. in the cycle of where they're at, either personally or professionally. Right. All right. So Carol, we've we've talked about you know what individuals should do to help themselves navigate this incredible period in their lives and a little bit about what companies do to support them. But let's talk about your group, Outwit, and and how you're guiding companies and how to invest in them from a marketing product or service perspective.
3: Well, you know, kind of the base principle of marketing is beginning with identifying a segment that looks like it has a lot of potential. So to your point, Sarah, what we're trying to do is wake up businesses to recognize the importance that women over 50 have to your bottom line, both in terms of what they are currently spending and also the fact that they're making purchase decisions or influencing purchasing decisions for generations after and that precede Mm -hmm. them, right? Um, So, you know, in any kind of marketing effort, people have to make an investment in understanding their needs just as you would any other segment. Recognize and respect them. They're not doddering. I don't think anybody here on this panel would consider themselves doddering. We're not stupid. We're savvy. We're experienced. And we're learners. So they want to see themselves authentically presented. The messaging has to be respectful. When they, what they get frustrated is when a 25-year-old model is used for categories like anti-aging skin products. I mean, I roll my eyes when I see commercials like that, right? Oh, that isn't God. respecting them. Um, and we've seen some companies kind of dip their toe in the water. They kind of dip their toe and then they immediately pull back. Um, but let's say there's, there's some that we could probably help. <laughs> I think the second thing is to help Is to really look at your current product or service line, given that that headset or your understanding of the 50 plus woman. We've developed a framework called the Experiential Matrix that kind of can help companies do this in a systematic way. It takes a look at both the functional value of the product and then the sensory elements of a product. So Mm -hmm. think like I'll go back to my craft days, meal kits. Everyone can identify with that, right? So there's things like cook time, prep time, cost, serving size, nutrition. Those would be functional values. And sensory would be things like maybe taste or texture, smell, packaging, aesthetics. You get the idea. So if you place these products on a quadrant, you'd have mac and cheese in one quadrant, and maybe you'd have Hello Fresh in another quadrant. And if you yeah. do that exercise by age, you'll probably see functionally different people, like different ages will put functional value on different components. So maybe if you're a young mother, mac and cheese looks great to you. But if you're older and you have hypertension, you probably can't go near that. So that doesn't really have value. So it can also help you understand, like, where could you go with this business? What could you take into one of the other quadrants? And it makes you think a lot more broadly about it. I think the only other thing I'd say is take a sharp look at the marketing budget. Are you really best served by directing it to mostly millennials and into the channel of digital, right? Yeah. Well, 50 plus women, they're very tech savvy and you'll get them through digital means. The messaging mm-hmm. um, might be very different based on the work that you've done before and the ability to have both broad based messaging, if functional, is consistent across age groups. But then very targeted messaging within age groups, it would be really um, beneficial to the bottom line. So those would be, you know, I think some things that marketing organizations could do.
1: Yeah, no, and, it, and, and I love how you've positioned it. And, and, and at Nui, we have that same philosophy, which is women are not monolithic, Right. right we're we're at different generations you know we have different ethnicities you know multiple dimensions to our personalities and the the savvier of brands and companies will know that and target and tailor um p and g comes to mind as as a group that absolutely you know does a great job at that um do you target just women then carol or do you target women and men in terms of in, in it, terms of the guidance that, you know, you provide um, companies, it's just strictly for
3: women. Uh, you know, we, we've been approached, just, just because I've been around a long time, we've been approached for, by different companies, but our primary passion is around helping companies really market to that 50-plus woman.
1: Okay, excellent. Excellent. All right, quick lightning round Final thoughts or pearls of wisdom that we want to share with our audience, Kim, can I start with you?
4: Sure, sure. Um, don't be afraid of things that are next. Be confident and and follow what your passions really are, and you will be so surprised how many adventures are ahead of you so You know, I have a mantra, which is I'm never going to retire, but that just means Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep going on to the next thing that intrigues me and I'm going to keep going. I joke that I'm going to be that 95-year-old, someone still calls and says, what's your opinion about this? (laughs) Because I want to be that curious, engaged, always looking at what's next person. And uh, that's just me. We each have to choose our own purpose, but don't be afraid of what's next for you.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I know. I always say, Hey, I got a couple more adventures in me. I'm not quite sure what they are, but I got a few more in me. Um,
2: So I was thinking about, you know, and I'd love what uh, Kim was saying about purpose because it becomes just so much more important as we rediscover ourselves and figure out who we want to be and live intentionally in the second half to, um, to really figure out what is my purpose, who am I, what am I meant to contribute in the world, and when I think about organizations, I think about how they might retain women um, by providing them a sense of purpose in addition to a paycheck through their work, so you know in midlife, we thirst for meaning, we want to feel that we 're contributing to the greater good and so we start thinking about legacy, as I mentioned it, um, and our work can be part of our legacy. So I challenge leaders to get very clear on how your organization serves its employees and its clients. How does your mission contribute to a better world? And how can you engage your employees in that mission? I mean, it's a win-win. If you can if you can feel a sense of purpose in your work as a woman in midlife and beyond, um, in addition to having you know, some things that really... Uh, pull on your heart and, and where you feel a contribution in your personal life as well. It's a win-win and the company, I think you become even more invested in the company. So I, I think if you can really, um, for organizations to really push the sense of purpose is, um, and, and help their employees feel like they're part of that mission would be fabulous.
1: Yeah, no, it, it's, um, we just hosted our executive forum. I'd shared with you, you know, earlier when we were getting ready for the show, and one of the, the key messages in it was to be a true leader, you don't just lead fiscally, but you need to lead with purpose. You know, you are responsible for, for shaping the communities that you serve and serving, you know, them clearly, but shaping the world around you globally. And so love I love that. That, that message of purpose, clearly. And, and, it, um, and it also gets back to there's just such a wealth of knowledge and experience right? You know, we've got our wrinkles and gray hairs for a reason, you know, yeah. and we've learned, you know, we've had experiences from them and we can, we can tap into the, into those learnings and really share them with others. Um, so yeah, love that. Carol, how about you?
3: Sarah, one of the things that you said in the beginning of the show was that, um, that men are really exhausted at this stage and they want to rest. <laughs> so fascinating to me. (laughs) Right. And what 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 it struck for me is that maybe they're seeing women over 50 in that lens. It's like, well, I'm tired. They must be tired. So I should probably let them go on to their next path. That's interesting. Right? So, you know, my advice, I think, to companies is twofold. First of all, don't be afraid of hiring women over 50 for all the reasons we've talked about. I mean, we bring such passion and energy and commitment and knowledge. Um, I would kill for a person that <laughs> had that much talent. Yeah. In yeah. addition to the talent to do the job, so I think they shouldn't be afraid of, of hiring women over fifty. I think the second thing, it kind of goes hand in hand with that, is to, for for leaders because you know, leaders set the culture. Is to validate evaluate their own personal bias as a leader, right? They're all going through DEI kind of training, but ageism isn't really part of the curricula. So, you know, are they judging someone on what they look like? Uh, Do they remind you of your grandmother or your parents and you're throwing, you know, projecting all that onto this very capable person? Um, Are you holding stereotypes like, well, they can't learn, or they're not technologically savvy, or they're not interested in learning? Um, I think that ageism is real. I think it should be integrated into DEI and a way to counter that is, and there's been companies that have been starting to do that, is to have intergenerational teams Mm -hmm. and the older folks and the younger folks really learn from each other. And those groups are much more productive. So there's always the bottom line, right? You always have to focus on, will this advance my business and I think that that's you know one strategy that's really paying off for companies.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We we talked about that in a in a prior discussion, reverse mentoring,
2: mm-hmm. and I
1: love your comment of the intergenerational you know project teams. And then Kim, like you said, hey, forge your own way, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yep. hey, you know, I won't be reliant or beholden, you know, to a corporate group. I'm going to forge my own way. Thank you. Oh my goodness. This was this. We forewarned our engineer. This was going to be a feisty group. And (laughs) I love that. Um, So I want to thank everybody who listened in today. I want to thank our incredible guests um, for sharing their perspectives and and such sage advice. I want to thank Voice America for giving me and new the opportunity to share our voice and mission every single week with you. Join us next week. And what we're going to talk about next week, and and I think it pretty much applies to the same incredible community of female leaders, but how are we going to get more women on boards? And we've got three great groups whose very mission is to make that happen. Um, So definitely join us next week as well. To learn more about NEW and to listen to all of our podcasts, check us out at newonline.org. I'm Sarah Alter, and thank you so very much for listening.
0: Thanks for listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Be sure to tune in again next week. Our program is live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Or catch our replays weekly on Voice America Influencers. Until we talk again, enjoy your week.